the future of photography. Hello and welcome back to The Future of Photography. My name is Chris Marquardt and with me, the whole gang. Adrian, hello. Hey, how you doing? Jeremiah, good morning. No, good evening to you. Ah, good evening. Good night, actually, <laughs> almost, really. And Imar. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's, it's, it's really early for you guys in the UK Stupid and in Ireland. Stupid o'clock. Stupid o'clock. It's, it's lovely <laughs> o'clock here. It's not always easy to find a good spot for everyone, <laughs> no. especially over the time zones. But hey, who's complaining? Who, who, who's interested no, in that you. other than us? Um, <laughs> so we have a new episode uh, prepared for you. And uh, this week it's about something that... Uh, I'm not, well, well, we'll figure out how this fits into the future of photography, but photography has been influenced by something um i think a lot of the original photographers came from it and that's painting so jeremiah you've put together a whole lot of stuff regarding that uh yeah i i, I think it's it's actually very appropriate to discuss where photography has been influenced by painting and as we move to the present and certainly into the future how uh, uh painting will be influenced by photography and how that is happening. And the fusion of painting and photography really uh, uh, exemplified technically in some of the more well-known software programs like Photoshop uh, and others um, really do fuse the, the, the kind of performative aspect of creation by by kind of evolving how we express ourselves with both images and our physical ability to alter them. Long way of saying, uh, we love the ability to fuse painting and photography and, and, and embrace all of the aesthetics that kind of made us who we are in terms of photographers, whether it is conscious or unconscious. And so, you know, we can kick it off with an early photographer called Nadar. And, um, you know, he, he lived from 1820 to 1910 and uh, photographed some of the most famous people of his time in Paris. Um, he was kind of a, a journalist, uh, they called him a, a bohemian, an agitator. Um, his work is very influenced, you can see, lightwise by, you know, none other than, you know, Rembrandt, you know, and, and, and all of those kind of neorealistic uh, painters that came before him, certainly the Europeans. Um, and as Chris was saying, a lot of early photographers really uh, began as, as uh, illustrators or painters, and, and they really wanted to use photography, the process of photography, to enhance their ability for perspective and color and all that. In fact, some of the earliest cameras are just filmless, but just a lens and and it projected back to enable them, right? It isn't, isn't photography, I mean, photography, when it started, uh, it was kind of the big competition between between photography and painting, right? Uh, yeah. The, 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 I think I think photographers kind of had to evolve from something, and that must have been painting because that was the only way to to make pictures before photography. 
It was certainly yeah. was not considered art. You know, Emma? it didn't um, photography then in turn force painting to change because all of a sudden couldn't, you know, that photorealistic style of painting kind of became a little redundant in a way. So it, it, the interplay between the two is it's really fascinating, isn't it? I, I think when you see some of the earliest images, uh, the reactions probably were twofold. One, isn't that amazing um, mm. that it's a realistic representation of a pyramid, a street scene, a human, you know, a relative, that kind of thing. Um, and yet when you look at a um, highly rendered, beautifully evocative uh, painting, uh, it certainly feels more realistic. And so there was this um, appreciation of the novelty of the image, and yet the kind of, uh, you know, the, the, the people were not commissioning large-scale portraits to hang in the, you know, elegant libraries of the wealthy when it began. That, that took a lot longer. Um, but if you look at the images of Nadar and then, you know, you look at the images of Sally Mann and a lot of these will be posted in our, our uh, show notes, Sally Mann and, and then, you know, this wonderful uh, photograph of Greta Thunberg uh, recently using wet plate photography. So She's kind of the you, oldest surviving photography yeah. te technique right now. Yeah, so, and, and this is stuff that's being done today using old techniques, old techniques that evolved out of the necessity to create uh, imagery that was not painting. And so there's just this, I, I find a very lyrical cycle of digital analog and, and pigment that all feels uh, of, a, of a notion that is fusing for expression. And, and I, I do think that all of us here um, sitting around our kind of international table, uh, we all embrace both painting and photography with equal passion. I mean, just in terms of the appreciation. Um, and, and that kind of uh, framed imagery is something that really, um, I think, captivates us when we go into, you know, just any form, whether it's portraiture, or uh, landscape, um, or even abstract. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of great examples here. I mean, there's a Montreal photographer. His name is uh, Daniel Castonguay, and I, I, I have some of his images up. And they, they feel like paintings to me. They feel like Gerard Richter's paintings in some ways, um, which are also in turn very influenced by photography. So what is, when, when you say they feel like paintings to you, what makes a painting? Ah, great question. Um, why why, why is something painterly? <laughs> I think you could feel the fingerprints of, 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 of humankind on it. In other words, you could feel the handprint on the image. It's not just a technical uh, uh, recreation, whether it's abstracted in black and white or somewhat in color, it has the, the mark of, of mankind. That's it, it's interesting because yeah, just picking up on Daniel Castingay, you, you just mentioned, his images 
are would be described as painterly i expect uh and uh, they are very reminiscent of um uh early photo some very early photographs um uh, where it was different where technically it was difficult to get people into the into the frame um but also uh some moody stuff from maybe the early 20th century uh and uh yeah, but but it's very textured as well. So so the the production or the post production of the photographs has 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 got a lot of texture in. So I think for me the the, the painterly thing it, it involves a texture that just a simple shot from a camera may may not capture um, because uh, you know camera engineers have spent many decades trying to get that to go away. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's very well put it and I I really do believe that uh you should wake up even earlier in the morning uh, to do this <laughs> the big insights are coming when you have to sleep amazing right that, that I haven't was, had any that coffee was yet so good um uh, so so know, and, one area where where painting is still every beginning photographer today is will come across that and that is how uh, painters have worked with light and uh, I'm just throwing the the term Rembrandt lighting into into the ring here because that's something that I know you can still find everywhere people tell you that uh, this is a good way to begin with a with a conscious lighting process with one single light and and mimicking what Rembrandt used to do with his uh, some of his portraits. Uh, yes, I mean they were the lighting was directional um and and wrapped around this subject uh, to which um this photographer uh let me her name I don't quite know how to pronounce it, but it's it's uh, Gemma uh, Wood Bienjik. It's a it's a Dutch name, obviously. <laughs> um, and again, we'll put her her images um, in the show notes. But they are amazing. I mean, they 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 are Rembrandt like in style and technique. But they are photographies. Um, they are photography. They're highly retouched. Um, so the, and, and obviously, um, just the technique is beautiful, but, uh, in contrast to, um, what Adrian, uh, said is there is no texture here. This is all they're so smooth, um, that you cannot see a brush stroke and yet you can't really photograph like this because all of the, the tonalities, the skin tone, the detail, the costuming is so precise to recreate the feeling of Rembrandt. That's what it, it is interesting. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's because um, the, these are, are amazingly well crafted images um, and, and clearly, clearly designed to be reminiscent of a particular style of painting. And um, but the the precision in, in, in I use the word craft uh, on purpose. The precision in in the craft of these images is is quite stunning. Uh, uh, and you're right there there is no there there is no texture, and yet they are uh, unless perhaps in some of the the backgrounds, um, and and yet they are very obviously and very and immediately reminiscent. Uh, 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 painting, painting itself, not not just painterly, but uh, but but painting. They're like Vermeers, aren't they? They are. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. yes. That 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 was a name that that, that sprang uh, to my mind yeah. as well. Actually, there's. It's, I think. 
Go ahead. Uh, there, there's this fun, fun place um, that I sometimes go through on Reddit. There's a subreddit called Accidental Renaissance. And <laughs> what, what, what happens is people just bring photos there that have a feeling of uh, Renaissance painting. And some of them are really spot on. And when you look at what makes those photos, it is, of course, sometimes the color scheme and how this goes together. <laughs> it is some, some, some of those are, are really, really, really on point um, with the light and things and or with the gestures <laughs> with how people look at yeah. each other. Uh, so if you go there, um, we'll, we'll link that in the show notes as well. If you go there and, and go through some of those, it is really, I love seeing these, these yeah, accidental uh, photos that are like Renaissance paintings. And, and it's interesting because you know that okay. the painters of the Renaissance who would capture, or even uh, Louis David, you know, in, in, in the kind of uh, turn of the century stuff, they obviously observed crowds moving and how light played on them, even without kind of staging them. And then, of course, they, I'm sure some of them staged it and some of them didn't, and how mm -hmm. art imitates life and life imitates art. Mm -hmm. and, um, on the, you know, on the flip side, um, you know, we look at a photographer like Stephen Shore and then look at, you know, the super realist painters. So you have a, a, a photographer like Shore, who I believe is also a genius in uh, photographing the mundane. I, that's why I like Martin Parr, where it's just oh, a, yes. a, a, almost a, a hyper bland image that in its power uh just resonates um and i i don't know why eggleston is <laughs> is another one uh, like that they um but i think the super realist painters who came in many ways alongside them or even after them in some cases painting uh paintings that are indistinguishable certainly from a distance from photographs and that tension if you've ever you know, stood in front of a super realist painting, you know, big of a jelly bean or something. It's really powerful and really evocative. And also one thinks really crazy. <laughs> How did somebody spend <laughs> so much time doing this? And yet it's because of that, it, it has possibly more re uh, resonance than a photograph of that size would have because it's handmade um, as a kind of faux photograph. Um, so I, I think without getting into the spe specifics of, of individual imagery, it's really about the discussion that, that we have uh, it both internally um, and how we kind of observe, you know, people, nature, all the rest of it um, in, in, seeing the world uh, both through a technical eye and a kind of expression, uh, expressionist eye, knowing that what we see is also highly interpreted by our brain. So it's not really real, is it? Mm, that, that's interesting because I the one of the things that I was going to note actually is that we're, when we're talking about in some cases the the early years of photography in the 19th century, of course, as as well as the, the what must have been considered sort of hyper realism of photography, you've also got the rise of the impressionist painting movement at that time, mm, yeah. which is is you know de deliberately moving in a, in almost the opposite direction. 
So, so yeah. you, you mentioned expressionist there, and the word that came straight into my mind was impressionist. <laughs> but, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, something that that I think we we also embrace are, uh, you know, you look at the fairy paintings of of the kind of uh, English, you know, laudanum filled artists who, you know, <laughs> uh, worked <laughs> in that particular, you know, drug haze and 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 the photographers who emulated that. Um, but now we we are able to do this with Photoshop. You know, we we can build our kind of uh, fantasies. Uh, I think a little um, easier, or certainly with a little more uh, convenience than drinking bottles of laudanum and working on. It's, you know, isn't it interesting how how the the whole f um, mystery of these kind of things has kind of gone away? Because we all know that there's Photoshop and that it's fairly easy to do. Um, the the belief in it is kind of not there anymore. It's it's more reduced to the actual picture. Interestingly, yeah, I, um, uh -huh. in sorry, my other work, um, I was speaking to a lecturer who teaches on sculpture and combined media in Limerick Art College here in Ireland, and also on their photography and video course. And there's such a kind of a multidisciplinary thing going on now at the moment that almost no matter which stream that you choose to go down, you you meet all of this digital stuff uh, on whatever level you want to. But she was speaking about like the younger student, how they never would have had the experience of analog materials at all. And she said that the, the kind of magic they find in it and that a lot of them are kind of drifting back towards the analog which is really interesting. It is kind of like a full circle thing. Well, it, it, despite it, it, everything night. they have at their fingertips, you know, it's a different kind of magic. And it, it is coming back. I mean, last night I was talking to a chap called Andy Church who works for Kodak Alaris. And, um, you know, they, they and, and other manufacturers, but they, they are now in a, in a world where uh, the demand for film outstrips available supply. And, uh, Eastman Kodak are now having to make investments in the infrastructure for manufacturing film. Yay! Just to keep, <laughs> indeed, yeah, really, absolutely. That's good news. Just, just good to news. keep up with consumer demand. Um, uh, and let's be clear, is, is it, well, con consumers and, and artists, because there, there's not a lot of demand coming from professional photographers for these products. And yes, it's very much smaller than it was 20 years ago. Um, you know, just just to give you an idea, um, uh, Andy was telling me that yeah, that when I spoke to him yesterday, that uh, the biggest year for manufacture of film for Kodak was in two thousand and one, um, and by the time uh, Eastman Kodak filed for Chapter Eleven in twenty twelve, uh, they were down to less than one percent uh, of the level of production that they had been at their peak. Um, so, so it is. It is. It is at least one order of magnitude lower the, the demand than it was before the, the rise of digital photography. But these things now are, um, yeah, they're 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 coming back. You know, this is why you get, I think, uh, wet plate photographs of of Greta Thunberg. Um, this is why you've got have have to invest in the infrastructure for, for manufacture of film. Um, you know, I have pinned to the wall in front of me a cyanotype and now it's a snapshot of, of me and my buddies Rachel and Graham from the Sunny 16 podcast 
but it's one that one of our listeners gave us. He took a, he took a photo of us and he decided he was going to print it on a cyanotype. <laughs> oh, uh, he made it into a real cyanotype? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so he took a digital <laughs> photo and then... And printed it as a cyanotype, yeah. Interesting. So... Uh, oh yeah, yeah. There's, 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 yeah. There's, uh, there's a whole lot of stuff going on, and and you guys have have, have heard me talk as well about um uh, a thing we have here in the UK every year called the Photography and Video Show, which is, which which is a trade show. It's 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 like a, a mini photokina, the small photokina. Yes. It, well, the mi mini. E even even though photokina is is probably going away sooner or later. It is. But but this year, um, they're going to have a feature at the photography show called the Analog Spotlight. Um, where they are deliberately providing floor space for uh, analog artists and and organisations that sell products for analog photography, um, and uh, yeah, they're they're making that a thing. They recognise that, that that there's a draw there for, uh, you know, at, at the marketing level, there's a real draw there for people. So I, you know, it the, this it's 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 a really interesting time to have a conversation about the influence of painting on photography and and photography on painting and you know how these things are are coming together it's it's not it's it's no longer a binary thing i think <laughs> i yeah i i i agree and and i think as equipment gets more sophisticated as people are able to take photographs without thinking of them and the obsession with selfies and dronies and all the rest of it um I, I think the yearning for something tactile, the imprint, the flaw, the, you know, the hand of mankind, something, and that also in, in a way slowing it down and possibly nostalgia in the same way that vinyl is, is, is kind of expanding um, the appetite to how we listen to music rather than, you know, being gone, which we all thought it may um, I, I heard a very interesting uh, fact the other day that more independent bookstores opened last year in America that had in the last 20 years. I mean, just spectacular as these huge book chains uh, have have folded and Amazon have kind of reached the kind of, um, you know, the, the, the 10,000 pound gorilla in the book space, these small mom and pop places that have an interactivity, you know, in, in a bookstore, it would be the person who recommends a book. But I think that having things that are not as cold, um, as perfect, um, as sliced, we like that, but we want the contrast as well. We want the other to define it. And, and I think that's what's so interesting. We have hugely sophisticated iPhones, and yet we have a whole bunch of apps to make the image degraded. <laughs> because in the degrading of the image or the the flaws or in video, you know, the, the, the kind of glitchy uh, images, um, of which I love, uh, but using glitches and deconstruction and kind of poor uh, quality uh, and in video, oh, yeah, look, this looks like it was shot in 1978 <laughs> on a Handycam, you know, as if that's a good thing. But <laughs> it in and of itself becomes an aesthetic. I mean, mm. in the same way, you know, you look at a, a constable painting and, uh, I, you know, I, I posted some of his in, into our, our um, show and, and, and constable had 
used in, in many ways, you know, layering and lighting and dramatic things. We could look at a constable and go, God, I can, I could do that in Photoshop. And then you look at somebody like Max Reeve, um, and his landscapes and you go, wow, that's, that's just like John Constable and probably, uh, you know, a quarter of the, um, effort. Not saying no effort, but you know, John Constable must have spent a long time painting those things. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 like I said, I'm pretty sure I couldn't do the constable thing in Photoshop. But then maybe that's just a, a lack <laughs> yeah. of skill on my part. In, interestingly yeah. enough, uh, we had a, an episode here um, pretty early in the show, in episode eight, about glitch art, and that is a, an interesting thing that happened. Is that uh, initially? People were um, using these, I'll call the analog dirt to do things. But then when digital came along, totally new kinds of glitches came along or potential for glitches. <laughs> we've seen this, yeah. or we've heard this in audio production a lot, where uh, the original analog recordings were done on tape and on, 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 on vinyl and so on. Those had their typical things that you could recognize. But then the mm. moment the digital... Uh, entered the scene other kinds of glitches like reduced bit size and this kind of stuff came <laughs> yeah. came into play and the same thing has happened in photography so newer technology has allowed people to to uh, to to uh, adopt and adapt the older ways uh, of glitching into more modern ways that look it, different yeah. sound different feel different mm. yeah chris i think that that that's really kind of a, a very interesting and fun aesthetic. Um, and if any of, uh, of us have been lucky enough to wander through a gallery or museum and, and actually see large paintings that are <laughs> glitch <laughs> art, in other words, they're electronic glitch imagery uh, translated to large paintings. Right. Well, <laughs> it know, goes both ways, know, yes. That's right. Then then you're into like a whole other other world. And 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 even kind of the basics uh, like pixelation of something. I did a series maybe about I don't know 8 or 9 years ago where I just took very bland pictures of trees and fences and dogs. But I pixelated like the tree in the landscape or the dog's face or, you know, a car and just in the, in the picture. So it's a normal picture, but with a subject that had been pixelated because the pixelation itself, you know, has indicated to us that, oh, you know, you're not supposed to see this. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like putting a black bar over somebody's swearing mouth. <clears throat> There's. You know. There's this, uh, I'm not sure if we talked about him here, Jason Anderson, a painter who's doing abstract paintings. Um, he's British. And it's very, very pixelated uh, if you're close up. And if you step back a bit further, it it, it is it is like digital art, but on a canvas. And yeah. I kind of really wish I had one of those here on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm, I'm going to pull us back to this actually because my pick of the week goes into this area but i'll come i'll come back to that when we do picks of the week <laughs> all right uh, uh, yeah i think that's a good segue into the picks of the week so oh, um okay let us start with you adrian 
Okay. All right. Well, so so my my pick of the week is is quite personal actually this week in, in the sense that uh, I have, I have just uh, bought some art from from these artists. Um. Uh. So uh, this this is this is real and going on in my house at the moment. Um. And and uh, there's a, there's a link in the show notes. Um. Now I I'll probably get the pronunciation of the name wrong, but these are two brothers called the the Bissayon brothers, uh, Jeffrey and Michael. And and they work at a a point which which um, blends modern and old techniques, but very specifically uh, blends photographs and uh, and artwork. Uh, the uh, they they make images of uh, celebrities with with uh, I think in, in some cases photographs at their base, uh, although um, they they may be at least uh, painting copies of photographs or maybe even using photographs in some cases. Um, and they 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 do some landscape work, but they 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 also have a the, a series they call spirits, which is um, which is art uh, of of uh, bottles of different types of alcohol, actually. Um, <laughs> and, great and, subject. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very very much in a pop art <laughs> style. Um, and uh, you know the the originals of these. I saw the orig- originals of a couple of these the other day in the gallery, and they are maybe um, five feet. Uh, what's that? 150 centimeters tall, maybe even a bit taller. 150, 160 inches uh, centimeters tall. So, that, so they are the sort of full height um, uh, pieces of work. Uh, sadly, um, I, I don't have enough space in, in my house for for one of one of the big ones. Um, so I settled for for two prints. Um, but even those are sort of three feet tall. Um, and they're they're fantastic. Um, and when this topic came up, I thought, you know what, I've got something something relevant to talk about um, because those those are now they're not in their foot their proper hanging space yet. They we, they only arrived a day or two ago, so uh, they're they're in a temporary hanging space in the living room in my house whilst we decide <laughs> where on earth they're going to go. <laughs> but and they're, the they're very glitchy the too. Bissam brothers. Well, they're, they look glit- they're glitchy. They're collages. They are colorful. Yeah. They are they are they, very pop art. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's I, no I mistake. I mean, you know what you chose. <laughs> yeah, well, that okay, they didn't well, come out were... of a digital camera. <laughs> no, no, they didn't. No, they 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 are um they they are painted in uh, in a photorealistic way in in the background of the image before they are then. Um, you know, uh, manipulated in an analog way to look like a digital glitch. Uh, the two I chose, uh, Ema, um, I chose the bottle of Cristal champagne um, <laughs> and, and and the bottle of Glenlivet whiskey. <laughs> uh, very good. Winnie Chisnerers. Sounds like a good combination. All right. Those, uh, those guys would make a great movie poster for something, just like that vibe. Anyway. There you go. Keep yeah. that in mind. Mm-hmm. So, right. Jeremiah, what is your pick of the week? Well, mine has a lot of irony in it, and uh, it's it's the work of uh, Alexei uh, Kondakov. Um, he has a, a project called the uh, Napoli Project. It's absolutely amazing. What he has done is taken um, classical paintings and superimposed them in realistic street view shots, and he's he's just done hundreds of these and and they are they are the fusion of painting and photography in my, in my world and and in so many ways you know without the irony it 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 
maybe allows us into the tone mood of what the artist saw in these individuals that we, when we decontextualize them and just put them in our mundane surroundings, we're engaged with it in a way that we may not be engaged with it if had we seen them in the original painting. That's quite astonishing. I love the one of the two little girls sat on a mat- an abandoned mattress by, on the edge of the street. <laughs> so good. I like the girl with the lamb on the bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I keep I keep scrolling and, and discovering stuff. That's amazing. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Imar. What is your pick of the week? Interestingly, it's a little bit like Jeremiah's, but in reverse. But it's a guy called Jeff Wall, who's a Jeremiah Felicini. I'm Sure, you know of him. Um, yes, yes. And he became very influenced after traveling in Europe when he was younger by classical painting so he began to work in um kind of cyberchrome like backlit stuff and it's it, they're very mundane like that but the setups of them and uh are very uh, elaborate at times and they really it, it's almost like almost like the, that guy in reverse jeremiah's yeah pick in reverse um i, I love jeff wall's work i find it spectacular yeah it's it's really kind of compelling, and then I actually I must put it in the show notes. I found a lovely article, um, that kind of uh, in his own words from a few years ago, um, that describes uh, how he he almost felt like I think he he his um, hopes were to be a painter, um, but he kind of fell into photography, and even now at this point in his career is wondering, was it all a mistake? Should I have gone the other direction? <laughs> Which is like so typical of all artists everywhere, ever. I have, I have, Ooh, a, couple of, yes. I have a couple of books by him. He, he's truly all in. <laughs> yeah. He, Good. All right. And uh, last but not least, mine has only remotely to do with photography, but with another aspect of photography, and that is with the sounds of photography. Because um, for me, photography is is this all-around sensory thing, not just for the eyes, but when I use a camera and the the whole process um, has other aspects. And the sound is one, and this is the sound of a camera shutter. So there is a website that's uh, called Uh, conservethesound.de, which has (laughs) sounds of like almost everything, all (laughs) pinball machines, airplanes, mobile phones, uh, industry stuff. This this is my new favorite. (laughs) And uh, this has a, a collection. It's a small collection. I think we're talking like 5, 10, 15, 18 different cameras. Um, and, uh, it's photos of the cameras and the shutter sound of those cameras. So, uh, I highly encourage you to have a listen, a look and a listen. So you could basically, uh, you know, type in electric shavers, 1950s, and it'll like pop up and give you one of those. (laughs) I think, I think that should be there. Yes. Oh my God. If you were looking for these sounds, you would never find them on your own. What's the German for for, uh, electric shaver then, Chris? Oh, it's it's a German site. So, uh, Razira. Yeah, razor. No, it it doesn't doesn't find it. It says Razir Apparat. Or Razir Apparat. Yeah, that could be the same. There we go. Yeah, electric Uh, shavers. There you go, Jeremiah. An apparatus that is a razor. And of course, (laughs) uh, they are all brown shavers here. 
Oh man, you cannot like I could spend hours here. This is a rabbit hole. <laughs> unprecedented <laughs> depth. All right. It's gonna with be that, up all night. No, with that, I no. think I think people will find an enormous amount of stuff in the show notes to go through. <laughs> we'll have a lot of links and a lot of uh rabbit holes to go down uh until we are back in a week from now. Um, this was The Future Photography. You can, of course, contact us on Twitter, on our website. We are on thefutureofphotography.com. And on Twitter, we are TFOP now. We'd love to hear from you. Bring we we would. And I also have a notice to give, actually, Chris, if I may. Yes, um, of course. Which is that uh, on Saturday, the 8th of February, uh, and for those of you listening in the future, this is 2020. <laughs> uh, but on Saturday, the 8th of February, uh, I'm running a photo walk. Um, which uh, which would be great to meet up with uh, any future of photography listeners if they are able to do it. Um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. It is on the south coast uh, of England in a in a seaside town called Worthing, um, and uh, we're getting up quite early. Actually, the future of the photography starts before sunrise because I want to take some sunrise shots. So. That sounds lovely. It, it's going to be great. It's it's going to be great. Um, I, one, one of my I don't do New Year's resolutions, but one of my uh, efforts this year is going to be to get out and shoot more uh, and meet more people in the process. That sounds so, lovely. Yeah. So uh, link in the show notes for anybody who's interested. All right. Wonderful. So everyone, join the photo walk. L- listen to the sounds of shavers and cameras and everything. <laughs> and uh, I don't. I don't think I could swim there in time. <laughs> right. <laughs> have to go through the canal. <laughs> no, All right. Until next time. week, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Hold up. 